Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. My name is Josh and I'm part of the core community of CMYK. We're a bunch of people in Billings, Montana, creating space and community where belief and doubt move forward together. One reason I love CMYK is for the people that are here. Before we jump in, I want you to know everything we do as CMYK depends on a generous donation from our local and online community. People just like you who are working with us to live a more beautiful way forward together. So if you love what CMYK is up to and want to be part of the community on a financial level, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to cmykchurch.com. Through your donation, we are able to continue our work and give away more and more of those in need around us. You can easily give a one-time gift or choose to be a regular part of our creation through a monthly gift of any amount. To those who are giving, thank you. With that, let's jump into this week's talk. All right, so this morning um, we're continuing on in a series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks. And just to give you kind of a, uh, a little bit of a path for what our evening gatherings look like is we start out with the talk. And um, so I'm going to kind of talk through uh, what our topic is this morning. And then all of you have uh, a note card and a pen, hopefully. And the idea is that throughout the talk, uh, throughout this conversation, that you would have opportunity to write down any thoughts that you might have, any comments you might have, or any questions you might have around what we're talking about. And then after the talk, as most, uh, as typically happens in our Sunday gatherings, uh, we're going to provide space for the Eucharist and communion and come to the table and bread and cup. And when you do that, our, our, what we ask is that everybody brings their card with them, whether you wrote something on it or not, whether you just drew a picture, whether you just you know, wrote the phrase, I love unicorns, whatever it is, or your question and comment that you bring that to the table and set it on the table. And the idea behind that is there's nothing sacred about the card. It's just an invitation for everybody to kind of play along with this so it's not like two people put their cards up and we're all like, I know who that was. I totally know who that was. Uh, but just uh, provide a little more space for that. So all that to say, uh, write, comment, question, whatever it is that you want to bring. And then when we uh, receive communion this morning, bring that up. And then we'll provide some space and time to have that question conversation. And then uh, from there, uh, we will provide more opportunity to have uh, connection at the end of the gathering. And so if you do have kids, the goal is that there's a few minutes before you feel like you have to run down and get your kids or go upstairs and get your kids, uh, but that you can do that, okay? So this morning we continue on in this series entitled Whole. And uh, what I wanna do this morning might feel a little bit out of rhythm of what we've been doing and what we've been talking about, but there's some kind of major concepts about what this series has been that I think it's really important for us to just take a week and talk about what those big concepts are before we move forward into it. And the idea with this series is this, that there is a holistic approach to scripture, there is a holistic approach to life, and that there's a point to all of this that is more than just looking at the Bible and looking at these stories as, well, that's a nice verse, you know, I should put that on a coffee mug or I should memorize that, as, as fine as that is, that there is something happening on a grander scale, a holistic approach to these stories, that it's significant for us to zoom out and ask the question of what's happening with these stories as a whole. And specifically, we've been looking at the last few weeks around the Gospels, the four stories of Christ. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And asking the question, what we've done so far is looked at Matthew, Mark, and the book of John, and asked, okay, holistically, what are these stories about? 
Because if, anybody, if we were to you know, ask you, most of us would say, well, it's about Jesus, and end of list. Like, that's all you need to know. But there's actually something significant happening when we look at the historical context of these stories, and there's some questions that are being asked by the people that were first distributing, reading, and talking about these gospels and these stories of Christ. So that's been the series as a whole up to this point. And this morning, I want to talk about somebody that maybe you've heard of before, maybe you've interacted with on some levels, but it's a guy by the name of Joseph Campbell. Has anybody heard of Joseph Campbell? A couple of you. Okay. Joseph Campbell is, uh, was a professor, uh, an author, and someone that spent a lot of time and energy looking at myth and story and the way that these two things impact and resonate within our humanity. And Joseph Campbell is is known as someone that kind of came up with this statement and this phrase as the hero's journey. When he looked at different religions, when he looked at different stories and different myths, what he saw and what he experienced over and over and over again was that there was this pattern, this path, this journey that a hero, the person that the story revolved around, typically experienced. And that hero's journey was something that looked like this, if you break it down into four major sections. First and foremost, that there's a call to adventure that the hero experienced. Secondly, that there's a challenge and a temptation. Struggle is found for the hero. Next, we see that victory is found. Things start to look up and get a little bit better. And last but not least, that the hero returns to where they came from to now give and serve of themselves as someone that is changed because of the experience and the journey that they just went through. So what Joseph Campbell has done and what a lot of other people have done as well is they looked at all of these different works and said, this is the hero's journey. And these are stories that continue to resonate with our humanity over and over and over again. So you have stories like Moby Dick or Jane Eyre. We have writings of Charles Dickens, Faulkner, Salinger, Ernest Hemingway, some people maybe you've heard of before, uh, Mark Twain, C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, that these people are writing stories, and they continue to be a part of our dialogue within our culture and our humanity. We say that, man, this is a great book. This is a great story. you got to read this because there's something that it connects with us. And what uh, Campbell is saying and has said, and so many other people are saying, is it's because of this thing known as the hero's journey. It's something that just resonates with us over and over and over again. In fact, Campbell did the work and looked at stories within Buddhism, looked at stories within Christianity, the story of Moses, the story of Jesus Christ, and said and kind of mapped out, it's the hero's journey. There's something that's resonating with this story that we just need to point at and say that this is happening. Even today in popular culture, the most famous one is, would be the work of Star Wars. And why is Star Wars this thing that came out years and years, decades and decades ago, but yet it's still such a central part of our culture? It's because the hero's journey. It's a perfect encapsulation of this hero's journey. Different authors and different movies that we experience today, there's works in Hollywood. If you're going to write a screenplay and you want it to be something that people connect with, hero's journey, it's the way to go because there's something within our humanity that just goes, yes, it's sticky for us and we love it. And what's fascinating to me is to see, okay, here's this work of Joseph Campbell. And then in the early 2000s, so Joseph Campbell was kind of mid 20th century when he was doing a lot of this work. And then in the early 2000s, there was a guy by the name of Dr. Alexander Shia. And he was one, he's an anthropologist, he's a psychologist, he's a theologian. The guy's got a lot going on in his head. And he was doing this work and starting to ask some questions. 
Specifically, he was asking some questions as a theologian and, and an anthropologist, asking, okay, why when we have the Bible, when we have these scriptures, do we have four Gospels? Because if you might, you might know, maybe you've heard of it before, but there's more than just the four Gospels that actually arose out of the time and the life of Christ. Most historians would point to the number of 50 plus different Gospels and different stories of Jesus that were being circulated by the early church and early followers of Christ. So why out of 50 plus Gospels did four seem to arise to the surface. So Alexander Shire was doing a lot of work trying to understand and wrestle through this. There's a lot of historical things that you can point at. We don't know that we know that we know why these specific four rose to the top. There's some historians that will point at, well, there was sexism, there was power, there was these different things in these stories of the Gospels that were kind of pushing these four to the forefront, which is probably true on some levels. But what Alexander Shia has found, and what most historians will agree, is that these four Gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were just the ones that were most read, and they were the ones that were most distributed by the early followers of Christ. In other words, there was something about these stories, these four, compared to the 50-plus others, that people continued to find relevant and significant for their lives. And so Alexander Shia started looking at these Gospels and asking the question, okay, what's happening with these Gospels? Why would, out of 50 plus, why would these rise to the surface historically that the church thousands of years ago would say, these are the four Gospels, these are the four stories that we need to revolve our thinking around? And Alexander Shia came up with this thing known as the Quadratos Journey. That's a word that he's kind of coining, so don't worry too much about remembering that. But this Quadratos Journey revolves around these four questions. The four questions of how do you face change, how do you move through suffering, how do you receive joy, and how do you mature in service? And through Dr. Shia's work, what he found is that the Gospel of Matthew, again, if you've been following along with this series, the Gospel of Matthew really revolves around this question of how do you face change. The Gospel of Mark revolves around this question of how do you move through suffering. The Gospel of John revolves around how do you receive joy. And the Gospel of Luke asks this question of how do you mature in service. And what was fascinating is the more historical work that Dr. Shia did, what he found is that early Christianity, the first followers of Christ, were taking these four Gospels, and there was a path to how they processed within their Sunday liturgy and their weekly gatherings, how they processed through these Gospels. And that the first year was spent on this question of how do you face change, the book of Matthew. Most of the reciting, most of the prayers, most of the conversation revolved around this book of Matthew. You start there. And then you move, they would move the second year into Mark, and the third year, they would move into the last one, how do you mature in service? And the book of John, this question of how do you receive joy, it was sprinkled about in seasons of Lent and Easter. And it was something that was found. And he found this rhythm and this pattern of these four things and the early church revolving around these four questions. And then Dr. Shia's mind really blew up when he started to experience and understand the work of Joseph Campbell and see the connection between these two things. A call to adventure, a change is found. The hero is in a certain place and they're called to something new and something different. Challenge and temptation is experienced. How do you move through suffering? The things aren't going the way that you want them to. Victory is found. How do you receive joy when things start to turn around and look a little different? 
And last but not least, return to give and serve. How do you mature in service? How do you come back to your community, to your family after this hero's journey and be someone of gift and service to those around you? This is something that is huge because this hero's journey, it's all over the place in our culture. It's all over the place in our life. And Dr. Shia found within early Christianity, they were revolving their religious practice around the hero's journey. There was something about the life and the story of Christ that was inviting them into that journey. And what ended up happening is a few hundred years after this practice, liturgy began to change for a multitude of reasons, and it became a uh, 52-week-a-year liturgy that it was just kind of weekends revolving around different things, and it no longer revolved around this Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John kind of processing. And so there's something potentially lost, Dr. Shire is saying, in how we approach this thing. Because for Dr. Shire, for Joseph Campbell, and for so many different theologians and historians, the resonance of the story of Christ, the resonance of the Gospels, is so much more than just, well, this is the book that's the number one selling book in the world. Of course, of course you've got to read it. But it's, there's a story there's something at the center of this that resonates within our humanity that's significant, and we cannot let that be lost. One of the things that Alexander found in the midst of all of this is that he started to understand and realize, and maybe some of you have heard this before, is that the, peop- the first followers of Christ were not called Christians. That was not the dominant thing. They were not known as evangelicals uh, on any level. But they were simply known as followers of the way. And you actually see that within uh, the first writings within the church. So the, the Acts of the Apostles, this book, we have Paul communicating about his belief and who he is. And this is what he says. He says, but this I confess to you that according to the way, this phrase is found over and over and over again in the early writings of the church, that that's what they called themselves. They were followers of the way, which they call a sect. I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, prophets having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept that there will be resurrection of both the just and the unjust. The reason I want to kind of take a pause and mention that is because for the first followers of Christ, for Alexander Shia, and for so many different people, what was found and what is being found is this experience of an invitation into a way, a path, a journey, more than just a belief or a way to think about something. And for me, what I found is a couple of years ago, I was in this place of uh, just, my wife and I had just started this thing called CMYK. And some of you have heard this story before, where I was in a place for the first time in my life where I was asking myself the question, what does Matt Blakesley believe? Because as someone that had grown up in a church and then you know, gone to Bible school and became ordained within a denomination with a set of beliefs and doctrines, I knew what to regurgitate as far as what was expected of me. And so being someone on staff at a church, it was the thing that I was trained to do. If there's a question, this is the answer. If you're going through a process, this is the book or this is the text. This is how you go about these things. And for the first time in my life, what I found a couple years ago was I was stepping out. My wife and I were stepping out to say, this is going to be our church. This is going to be our thing and our representation, our authentic experience within this faith. 
and asking the question, so what does Matt Blakesley believe? If I'm not expected to just regurgitate what's been, what I've been told, I'm not just expected to pass a theology quiz in Bible school, what does Matt Blakesley really believe? And so I spent a lot of time and energy trying to dissect the Gospels, trying to dissect the Scriptures, and ask myself the question, okay, what does this look like? And what I knew that I, I kind of always personally had had an issue with is so much of the language that I was handed was very coded. I mean, it was very foreign in a lot of ways. If you're someone that hasn't grown up in church, it can be really weird to be around Christians all of a sudden because there's all this language that nobody uses within their regular context of the world. But we just say things like uh, that all the time. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, these different things that maybe have some deep meaning. I'm not coming against the meaning, but it's just very coded. And you have to work hard and kind of crack through a lot of surfaces to get to what's actually behind that. And so for me and my wife, we wanted to try and figure out, okay, this authentic representation of faith, what's the best way for us to represent that that doesn't feel coded, that doesn't feel like you have to have a language course or a culture course to just come into the place where you can actually experience the thing behind this stuff. And the more time that I spent, the more energy that I spent, I kept revolving around four things that I really believed that the invitation of Christ, that the gospel, that the scriptures as a whole, was always about. And this isn't going to be new to very many of you at all, but when it came to this idea of CMYK, for me, it revolved around this concept of being present, being honest, being open, and being the embodiment of love. That this was and is the invitation of Christ. And there was such a resonance for me in that, that it wasn't this coded language, but I was able to have a conversation with anybody and say, hey, this is, this is kind of where I'm at. This is the path that I'm on. This is the belief that I have that we find wholeness and life and meaning and the divine when we are able to be within these spaces, that I can be fully present where I am. I can be fully honest. I can be open to things outside of myself and I can work to become the embodiment of love. I can be loved and I can love others. So we've been talking about this for years at CMYK because this for me and for many of us, this is the gospel. This is the invitation. This is what scriptures, this is what Christ has always been about. And so I'd gone through this work because I, I was kind of tasked with writing a paper about what I believed uh, in the denomination that I was a part of uh, because they were asking me, like, what are, you, what are you thinking, Matt? And so I was like, okay, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. And I wrote this paper, and it revolved around these concepts of being present, being honest, being open, and love. And kind of the scriptures around that, the ideas around that, and why I found that to be such a significant thing. But in the midst of it, I'm, I'm honestly in this place of like, I don't want to be somebody that just has this crazy belief, you know, that nobody else actually believes <laughs> that at all. That I'm just on my own, and, you know, the goal is not to start a cult, you know, to start this thing that's just so far off the side, like, okay, so this isn't grape juice, this is special juice from the Himalayas that we have mixed with the baby's tears because we but like all these weird things like what is happening like nobody's in for that right I hope not because uh, we have no baby tears in there just so you know but I came to this place of wanting to experience wanting to know like okay I'm not crazy I'm not out there but my teaching my training the the work that I've done that it that there's something more to it and I remember two summers ago I was mowing my lawn and I was listening to a podcast and the podcast was with Dr. Shia and I'm processing all of this stuff, and he starts talking about this thing known as the hero's journey, the quadrato's journey. 
And he so clearly and eloquently puts that the response to these things, if you want to know how to face change, he didn't use this exact language, but what he talked about was you got to be present. If you want to move through suffering, you, you have to work to be honest. That's what the invitation of the gospel is in Mark. If you want to receive joy, you have to be open. That's what John is about. Seth talked about it last week. And if you want to mature in service, you have to work to be the embodiment of love. And I'm mowing the lawn, and I hear him talk about this. And it was like, it was just one of those moments that I'll never forget. Because <laughs> I stopped mowing the lawn, and I just like started pacing around my yard. Like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. But my neighbors thought I was, because I had stopped. Like, they thought probably I cut off a foot, or like something happened, because I was just like, ah! and I was just walking, pacing around my yard, because there was this resonance that was happening for me. That this stuff is so much deeper and so much more than just a random thought that, that Matt Blakesley had. It's so much deeper and so much more than just a couple theologians. It's a lot of theologians and historians. And it's so much deeper than just the Christian narrative and story of Christ, the hero's journey. There's something about this stuff that resonates on a humanity, global, universal level with who we are. And it was a moment for me that I will never, ever forget. And so it's one of the reasons why we decided to start out this fall by walking through these four Gospels and talking about these four things. But this morning I wanted to stop from going through just the four things. And I wanted to kind of give you an overview, a bigger picture of what's happening with this. And the reason is because I have a question. And the question is this. Do you see your beliefs as a target or as an invitation into a journey? What I mean by that is I think many of us know what it's like for belief to be a target. In other words, there's a, there's a center. There's the right, true, best, only way to go about it. And if you're going to do this thing, you've got to aim for the center. Nobody aims for way off the board. You aim for the center. You aim for the, the target. And the belief for many of us, we grew up with this idea that there is the right way to talk about this. There's the right way to approach this. There's the right way to believe. And in that, there's all the wrong ways to believe. There's the right verses to memorize. There's the right way to talk about things that if topics come up, many of us know this pressure. If a topic comes up around a dinner table, topic of politics, well, we got to say the right thing, because if we say the wrong thing, then we're not hitting the target. Topic of sexuality, i got to say the right thing about this. And if I say the wrong thing, I'm not hitting the target. And I'm someone that's labeled as a heretic. I'm someone that's labeled as not a follower of Christ. Someone that's not experiencing what Jesus is about, because I'm saying and believing and thinking the wrong things. That's a target. Compared to a journey. That there's an invitation to say, hey, there's a path that you're invited on. And wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing and whatever's happening on that path, and you're invited to continue to move forward to that path because the goal and the point of this, just like the target, but the goal and the point of it is to find wholeness. To find your life, the world around you, a more beautiful place. To experience what Christianity would call the life of Christ. 
to truly experience it and not just have language around it, not just speak about it and pray about it and sing songs about it, but to truly be somebody that is finding yourself in this place of wholeness, the life of Christ. It's a journey towards that. Is your belief system and how you think about these things, is it a target that you're here this morning or you listen to podcasts, you read books to try and make sure that you have all the right language and you can check all the right boxes so that nobody goes, hey, careful. Or are you somebody that is, okay, no, I'm, I'm in on this journey because there's wholeness at the end of it. And I want to find that. I want to experience that for me and the world around me. What I've found is that if faith and belief is a journey, and it, as you know, open as these statements are of present, honest, open love, there's a lot of people that have been a part of CMYK that have decided that this thing isn't for them, and that's totally fine. And the issue can be around the vagueness of be present, be honest, be open, and be love. Because nobody's telling you what to think or how to think. It's just an invitation onto a path, into a journey. And it's my belief, and I, I believe it's the work of Christ, nearly followers of Christ. And as many people would say, that's what this has always been about. And so the invitation is yes, as it's vague, as it's not as concrete and certain, certain as we all love some of us when we grew up with certainty that there would be wholeness at the end. To kind of close up uh, this morning, I think if, if we or you are going to jump on this journey and this path compared to going after belief as a target and to lean into this stuff, I think there's a couple things that uh, become true and resonant. And this is really speaking for me and I think would be true for some of you as well. First and foremost, I think... Um, that we need to understand to see this as a journey and a path means that the Christ narrative gets much, much, much bigger. Many of us know what it's like to experience this thing called Christianity and feel like it's our job and our role to shove that narrative and that story on other people and get them thinking and believing all the same things because it's a target. So you've got to be in the same place that I am in this thing. And at the end of the day, what, what is that doing? It's shrinking down this Christ narrative to your interpretation, to your beliefs, to what you think and what you see. And if this is a journey and if this is a path and not just a target, then it's inviting us to see, oh, this Christ narrative, this Christ story, it's everywhere. It's all over writing. It's all over Hollywood. It's all over our world, and that when I experience that narrative and that story, whatever it is, there's a part of me that gets to celebrate that because there, I would use the language, there Christ is found. For me, it revolves around if someone is present, someone is being honest, and they have completely different language, completely different beliefs, but they're in this space of being present, honest, open, and love, I get to because the Christ narrative is now so much bigger than just these couple stories that I've got to get all the details right about. I get to look them in the eye and connect with them and see them and celebrate who they are and where they are, no matter what language they bring to it, because there's something universal here about this compared to just my experience and interpretation. The second thing that if this is a journey and not a target, I think, is that we need to understand, I need to understand, that there's a difference between the journey and the door. 
So the door is an invitation into wholeness, let's say. The journey to get to that door and to get to that wholeness is different for everybody. It has a lot of the same elements, but just like there's Star Wars and Moby Dick, there's a lot of different elements around that story, yes, but the central path that Moby Dick and the central, or Captain Ahab, and the path that Luke Skywalker is on is very, very similar. But the journey looks different for each of them. And what this means is that when I'm interacting with people around me, some of us know what it's like to experience wholeness, to experience something that's good, and to feel like it's our job and our work to make sure that they have the same experiences and they have the same journey and path to experience what we experience, to get to the same place. And so it's trying to get somebody to say like, oh, you, you've, you haven't really suffered. You need to suffer to really understand this. Or you need to read this book to really understand this. You need to go to this retreat. You need to experience these things and be in this place and have the same journey that I've had because that's where wholeness is found. And what this speaks to is if belief and the invitation of Christ is about a journey, then it's just inviting people onto that journey, whatever it looks like for them. And so for some, that could be the narrative and the journey and the path of Christianity, and they find wholeness there. But it also means, spoiler alert, that it could be the path of Buddha. It could be the path of science. It could be the path of a relationship. And it has very little language and very little detail specificity to what your path and what your journey is. But the point is wholeness. The point, the door is Christ, as I would say within my Christianity. But the language and the journey around that is different for everyone else. It also means that there's an invitation for me to lean fully into what is my journey. For me, Christianity is something that continues to resonate more and more. The more that I dig into this stuff, the more that I find it to be Resonant, true, beautiful, and good for me. And so I get to lean into that. And we're in a culture and a time when, you know, there's a lot of people that like, oh, I don't want that label of Christian on my life. And I get it. I feel it a lot. Trust me. But at the same time, I got to be honest about my journey and my path and where I'm at and finding wholeness and what that looks like has been. So we've got to understand the difference between the journey and the door. It means, third, that my beliefs might change. I might think one thing about something, and then a couple years later, because of the journey and the path and the point being wholeness, it might, means, it might mean I change my thinking and beliefs on some things. Because the point is not to stay rigid and a target. The point is to find wholeness and experience the life of Christ. So that means there's some passages and verses that maybe were preached or taught in a certain way that I look at now. And I'm not, again, nothing against someone else in their journey. But for me, I just have to be honest about the fact. This is not being, me being present, being honest, being open, or being the embodiment of love to replicate that back into the world. And I just need to be honest about what that is. And my beliefs can change your beliefs can change. If you look at the arc of scripture, there's an evolving change of theology in the way that they talk about God, in the way that they talk about each other within tribalism, in the way that it progresses over the thousands of years of the writings of scripture, that things are moving forward and that we are invited to do the same to find wholeness. Fourthly, 
It means I can experience wherever I am on the journey. The hero's journey with Joseph Campbell's work, even if you just Google it, do a Google image search, you're going to see a bunch of circles because the hero's journey is always represented as a circle. And what this means is that the hero's journey is not a linear path. You don't start here, end here, and then you're good and you're done. But the hero's journey is something that is cyclical and it's random, just like life. That wherever you are in the process and wherever you are in the journey, that you can find yourself there and put yourself on a path to continue to move forward towards wholeness. And this also means that you'll find yourself back at the top, going back around, back at the top, going back around for the rest of our lives. It's this hero's journey that we continue to move and chip away at this idea of wholeness and finding life in Christ. The reason this is good for me is I know what it's like to feel like if Belief is a target. I know what I'm supposed to believe. Why don't I feel like I'm any further down the path? Why am I still struggling with this? Why is this still an issue? Because I shouldn't be where I am right now. I should be better. I should be different. I should be fixed, whatever it is. Feeling guilty for still dealing with and struggling with and processing with things that I feel like I should have been over months and months and years and years ago because I see it as this linear path. Compared to, no, if this is a journey, it's this hero's journey, then it's something that, yeah, I'm going to come back to some things. I'm going to keep chipping away at it, and I just need to continue to find myself on the path. And last but not least, it means that I can find myself within the text. For many of us, we were handed this Christianity, these gospels, this text as learn this, study this, know about Jesus, and your life will be better. Okay, there's probably some good good thinking behind that. But within this quadrados journey, within the hero's journey, there's an invitation to not just know about Jesus, but to see ourselves within the Christ narrative and story, to find ourselves within the gospels, to find ourselves within the text, because this is the invitation for us to be the embodiment of Christ and to go down that path and to continue to go down that journey. And so all of a sudden, the scriptures are not just this historical text that I need to know a lot about and be able to recite around the dinner table if I feel like, oh no, I got to say something. But I can just continue to find myself within the text and be invited back into that journey again and again and again. Which is why, from the very beginning of this thing, the invitation of Christ was, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Find yourself within this story. Consume it. Take it upon you, in you, and be a part of this journey and this story because there is new life, resurrection, wholeness to be found. And it's why Every single week, followers of Christ from day one have been coming to this table to find themselves back within this journey and within this story. That wherever you are, wherever your beliefs are, whatever you're thinking, whatever your language, that you can find yourself within the story. And you might bring different ideas. You might bring different thoughts. You might bring different doubts. Okay. Because there's something bigger here than just a couple stories. There's something bigger here than a conversation about historicity and whether or not this happened or that happened and how it happened. No, it's an invitation into now, into this moment, and that there's a door to see yourself and the world around you become a more beautiful, holistic place. But it's found, I believe, a journey 
and a path that we choose to pick up, not because of a target that we go after again and again and again. So this morning we come to this table, as people have done for thousands and thousands of years. And we ask ourselves a couple questions. I think if we're going to wrestle with this text, if we're going to wrestle with this story of communion, that these questions are valid. (laughs) And there's something to wrestle through this morning. Is the Christ narrative growing for you? Or is it something that's kind of small, pocket size that you just got to make sure you always have the right things? Can you accept the difference between the journey and the door? That there are people around you that maybe they're not experiencing wholeness, but you need to just know, okay, their journey is going to be different, but there's a path that I can invite them on. It's going to have a lot of different details, a lot of different things and characters that are a part of it, just like different stories, but that the path would be the invitation. Are you willing to experience your beliefs changing? Are you fully experiencing wherever you are on your journey? That you just need to own it. This is where I am. This is what's going on. And know that it's not a bad thing. This isn't linear. You don't have to feel guilty like you've fallen back. No, you're just welcome to the story. (laughs) And that this morning would be an invitation back into that story. And are you looking for yourself within the story? This is so much more than knowing about Jesus, you guys. This is about experiencing Christ, wholeness, and life, and finding yourself within the story. There's a reason we love these kinds of stories. Because we love, every kid loves to fantasize about being the hero. Do we not? There's something about our humanity and that you, it's not a little kid thing, but that you find yourself within this greater story and moving forward. And for us, that language is to be present, to be honest, to be open, and to be loved. All are welcome to this table. All are welcome to come, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup as a symbol, as a remembrance of this story that we're a part of and to come back to and to find ourselves within. So we're just going to play a song and invite everyone to come forward. And again, would ask that you bring that note card, question, thought, idea, comment. If you have it, if not, that's fine too. But just bring it to the table and we'll provide a little more space so a minute or two uh, more compared to what is typical on our morning gatherings. If you want to reflect and think and process some things, feel free to do that. And then we'll close our time together whenever you're ready. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. An invitation to be a part of that story. Whenever you're ready, feel free to come forward. So there's a lot of things up here, which is awesome. So um, I'll just, if it's comment, I'm just going to read it and not necessarily have a lot to say about it, potentially, unless I really, really want to. But uh, most of these I'll probably just read and let them be in the moment. Uh, I'm grateful that CMYK has been with me on my journey these last two years. I'm grateful that you've been on this journey with us. Uh, One of my greatest challenges on this journey is feeling alone or like others who understand it in my circles are few. How do we cope with that feeling of lacking allies and support? And how do I trust if I'm planting seeds in others that is enough? Um, I, I would just say we're with you 
and I, I feel everything that you are feeling, and I think there's a lot of people in this room that are in that place as well. Uh, my wife and I went to, a, 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 of all places, a church conference uh, last weekend. That's why we weren't here. And it was like 4,000 people that were there. And we went for like good content and thinking. It was called Evolving Faith. So it was kind of some more kind of progressive things that we were excited to see, like what's, what, what's happening out there. And uh, it was just 4,000 people that needed a hug <laughs> was all it was. I'm just being honest. And Kate and I were kind of like, well, this isn't why we're here. Uh, <clears throat> but the reason I say that is there's people all over the world, all over our country, particularly in our culture within Christianity, that are in the exact same place that you are. They feel alone. They feel crazy, like I've felt. But yet there's something that resonates. There's something that's true about this that we cannot deny and pretend away. And it's why CMYK exists, honestly. And there's many conversations that I've had with many of you. Does this church thing matter? Is it significant? Should we keep doing it? Or are there other things that we should be doing on a Sunday morning? But myself and so many of you keep coming back to, no, this is good for me and for us to know we're not alone and that our city and those in our community that are looking for a space like this, that they know they're not alone. Whatever belief, whatever language, that there is a more beautiful way forward together. Um, and then that second piece of how do I know if I'm planting seeds in others that is enough um, I, I'm sorry to say you don't know if it's enough. You just don't. And the difference between the target and the journey is the target is you say the right thing and then you're off the hook. You're good. You did it. So if they don't do the right thing in response to what you said, that's their problem. That's their issue. And you just keep saying the right things to them over and over and waiting for them to come to your side. But with the journey, it's, you actually have to like walk alongside someone which is a lot harder. It takes a lot more time and a lot more energy and there's a lot more questions. But you're actually putting your arm around somebody wherever they are on their journey and you're saying, you're not alone. Let's just keep down this path together. And um, I know that that's not easy, but that's uh, what I would believe is the best way. Unknowns and questions, constant unrest. Why do you think this hero's journey gets lost in most, most churches? Um, I think that certainty is such a big deal for us just within our humanity that we know that we know that we know certain things. And so, so much of Christianity has kind of morphed and evolved into that. Uh, so much of Western theology and thought has taken on this kind of more scientific method and approach of trying to hypothesize and prove things and show things and apologetics and all of that and evangelicalism, all these things. Uh, they're pretty recent, honestly, when you look at church history. And it's this hero's journey stuff that is actually, that's the ancient stuff. That's the old stuff, <laughs> you know. And so the, a lot of it is just our own culture and what we've created uh, out of our des desire for certainty. I think even out of our desire for tribalism, which means I'm right, you're wrong, and how do I kind of build up my armory to know that I'm right, and I can defend and show you that I'm right and, you know, take you out. Um, so I, I don't think that most churches are doing this in a way that is, you know, negative or trying to be mean. They really believe, and it, maybe it's part of their journey and their path as well, but they really believe this is the way towards wholeness. But so much of the language and the strategy and systems around it is because of the culture that we are a part of 
and the culture that we live in that is really kind of unique and new within church history. I, could, I would love to talk more and more about that if in, you want to have a conversation. I have found that I've been finding the word quad journey everywhere in my life. Sometimes it is all four in one day or it is watching my, life, my family on the journey without realizing it. It is helping me process my life in a more honest way. Yeah. Um, wholeness over certainty. The point is wholeness. Preach. So that's, if you didn't listen at all, there you go. Uh, that's the talk. Uh, we'll do a couple more. Uh, how do we deal with ever-present anxieties? Um, again, I would love to have, if, if you want to have a deeper conversation about this, I would love to have a conversation. There's people around you that would probably love to have a conversation with it. Um, a lot of it for me is how are you defining anxieties? What does that mean for you? Uh, anxiety is typically something that is out there that we're not quite sure how it's going to go and we're fearful that it could go bad. So we carry this anxiety of what could be. Okay. For me, that's why the work of being present being honest, being open, and being in a body of love is such a strong work because I know what it's like to live my life in a place of anxiety, always fearful of what's coming rather than fully present in what is, being honest. There's something here. There's something beautiful. There's people around me. I'm not alone. If things do go south, I can be present with the reality that, okay, I have this community. I have family. I have friends. I have people around me. And so present, honest, open, and love, I, I hate to be that guy, but that's just the best way that I um, would say that real quickly. Uh, I appreciate hearing that it is okay to question what I believe without feeling guilty. You are invited to do that. Um, do you think someone who looks at faith like a target instead of a journey can experience wholeness? Yes. And one of the things that um, I want to be really careful of is anytime we're communicating about any kind of Christianity or belief that is different than what I would call mainstream Christianity within our culture, it is not meant to demolish and say, how could they? That is wrong. That is awful. That is bad. That's not it at all. I'm trying to be honest about what is resonant and true and I think historical in some ways and what I'm finding and what others are finding as well, as I tried to say this morning. This isn't just about me. But what I don't want to do is try to do the same tribalism and say, we got the right way. We got the 100% path. And anybody else that's not on this, you know, doing this thing, present, honest, open love, just like we are, they're wrong. And they're never going to find Christ. It's a false God. Well, that's just falling into everything that we don't want to be. So for me, there are so, so many churches in this community that are meeting this morning that are are doing so much good work. And the, uni the universal message of this work of Christ means that, yeah, in a, in a Baptist church, in a Foursquare church, up at Harvest, wherever it is, whatever's going on, that yes, people are connecting in more liturgical churches. Yes, that this Christ narrative is being found everywhere. Um, for me, it was just within the path I was on, there were some things that I was missing that. And so I've, I've you know, I'm trying to find it in this context and in this way. But I think we fall in the same tribalism if we try to think that there's something different. And I'll end with this. Unconditional love. Bum, bum, bum. That's my added bum, bum, bum. This morning, may you go and may you be somebody that wherever you are, you feel like you have an invitation onto a path. You're not stuck. And you're not alone. Because there's people right around you this morning, and I know so many of you, and would say, they're with you. And that's why it's so beautiful to see all of you this morning. 
Uh, it's a scary thing sometimes if you show up and nobody else is there. <laughs> and many of you have probably experienced that. You feel alone where you are, and this space continues to be, this community continues to be a remembrance for me and all of us. You're not alone. And we can continue towards this path and find wholeness together. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, if there's anything we can do for you, please reach out on social media or through our website at cmykchurch.com. Also, while there, you can figure out more about who we are, where we're headed, and how you can get plugged into or give with this unique experimental church. Have a great week, and we hope to see you soon.